three, two, one. Hey everybody, welcome back for another week of Let's Dig Podcast. I'm your host, Chef Rich Rosendell, and I'm joined with our co-hosts, Christopher Ryloff and Rachel Barnett. And this week, we had a discussion about building your dream job. And I'm telling you, I think now more than ever, employers have to ask themselves a question. And that is, why would someone want to work for me? Or why would they want to work for our organization? And it's a lot now more than just about Uh, compensation. There's a lot of things that you're going to have to bring to the table that are going to make it attractive for you to bring in the best of the best in in talent because it's a very competitive marketplace out there right now. And uh, there's lots of jobs and people have had time to really reflect about what they were doing pre-pandemic. And I think they're going to be more careful about where they uh, commit for their next next series of, of jobs Uh, And you're going to have to be competitive. You're going to have to think about what can you do to attract people. And it goes beyond compensation. It could, it has to do with the culture and the environment. Uh, And of course, benefits and anything else that you can do that can say, hey, look, this is the best place uh, for you to invest your future in. So come and work with us. You got to think outside of the box. So let's go ahead and have this conversation. And without further ado, let's dig in. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody, for another episode uh, with our Let's Dig In podcast. And uh, as everybody out there knows, we've been doing uh, kind of a slightly different format, and we're going to continue to get a great guest on. But we've decided uh, for this particular um, next couple of episodes, we've been kind of picking a topic, things that we think are kind of relevant that are out there in the industry and across the country. And from week to week, you never know what the narrative is going to be. There's so much I mean, right when everybody thought that last year was like, you know, the the most craziest year, it seemed like this year has been filled with all kinds of uh, crazy stuff as well. Um, but particularly as restaurants start to get back uh, open, um, I kind of did that one podcast the other day that was about the nature of work and kind of redefining it. But I, I've been, you know, I've been talking with people that are like increasing wages and stuff, and they're still not able to get people to come and work. And I kind of, it makes me, it made me kind of start thinking about like, we have to really think differently in the future about attracting people and getting people to come and work for you. But it may, it kind of makes you ponder the question, like why should anyone come and work for you? Like what, what is it that like, why, why do people, um, what reason do they have to come and work for you? So kind of pose that question to you guys. And obviously this, this could be for like any employer. If, if you're a caterer and you're trying to get your, your thing going or your food truck and like, what's going to be the differentiator? Like, how are you going to get people to come and work for you? Like, what, what do you guys think that people today are reluctant to enter back into the workforce? Like, what, what are the things that they're looking for? Uh, I think right now it's hard to get people back into the workforce because I, I'm not sure on this actually, but is unemployment still going on? Like are people still um, receiving that? Yes, that is definitely, um, I would say that is a factor for sure. Just the, uh, yeah, uh, I think that this month they're removing it or they're removing like, let's say 80% or something like that, but, uh, they're removing like a big portion of it, uh, this month. Oh, Okay. So I think that is going to play a huge factor in people going back to work. 
obviously. I mean, if I'm getting free money from the government, I don't want to go back to work. Um, but I think something that always draws me into working with other chefs or working with people is how they treat their staff and how they treat their people. That speaks volumes to me. Um, so that's always something that I'm looking for. I like to talk to the other employees and see, you know, what you like about working for this this company or this owner, what you don't like about working for these people, you know, just really getting the feel of what it's like before you get in there, you know, like how do, how do they treat their people? Don't you, do you both think that maybe um, the pandemic, everybody being kind of on this big pause that maybe it's given people time to really think about that, to kind of reflect on what they've been doing up to this point And if it's, if it's fulfilling to them? Oh, yeah. I think that, I think in my opinion, I think that what Rachel just mentioned, I think is something super important. Two things that she mentioned, actually. Um, the first one was about getting help from the government. Uh, if I get money for free, why would I would like to go back to work? And that's something that is really important because most of the people, they realized throughout the pandemic that what they were doing, it wasn't what they really are passionate about it. And that's why probably they feel better getting money from the government for, for, for free uh, instead of like going out and working what they really like. That's one of the biggest points. And the second one, uh, I mean, this is, uh, I don't want to get out of topic, but in my opinion, it's like, is it really like the government's fault or is it the industries, like the, the, the labor, uh, I mean, the employees' fault when you talk about the government is helping people. People don't want to go back to work, but not because of the, the, the money that the government is giving them. It's because the rate that most of the people, most of the employees are paying. So they're kind of like, they are forcing the employees to pay a little bit higher. So that's one, one thing. And, but I think that when you talk about why would I would like to work here or there, uh, most of the people, of course, everyone has to pay bills um, in that sense. So everyone is looking for money but at the same time, everyone is looking to get inspired, to be happy at their work, if you have benefit or not, if you have vacation or not, if they're paid vacation or they're not. And I think that all of those little factors, they're really important when you work for any kind of company, because at the end of the day, let's say, for example, I don't have kids, but you have kids. So if you go and work for a, for a country club or you work for a hotel, of course, you're going to be looking for whatever is better for your family. And for most of the people out there, I would say, I don't know, probably 80% of the people, they have kids. And I don't know how is that, but I know it's not cheap. So most of the people are- No, it's not cheap. <laughs> it is not, it is anything but cheap. Um, but so I think, I think you guys both brought up some really good points. Um, I mean, I think most people in, around the country agree, like all the stimulus money. And I think there's actually more that's going to be going out. It's going to be like for the uh, per child direct deposits. Um, I think that I think that definitely contributes to it. And, and frankly, too, I don't blame people for getting a good wage and saying, hey, I can make a pretty good wage. I think it's like now if you were to take all the different stimulus options and, and things that are out there, you can make like uh, upwards of like thirty thousand dollars a year from like doing nothing. Um, but the so that's a factor. I think that is a factor. But one of the things I think that restaurants, not even just restaurants, even if you're if you're a great big hotel, you've got your own challenges, or if you're a big insurance company, everybody's dealing with extra expenses. But aside from the money, 
uh, compensation. Uh, there's also benefits. And I was, I took my kids the other day uh, on like the, their, our day off and went into a McDonald's. That's where they wanted to go for lunch. Yes, I'm a master chef. I take my kids <laughs> into McDonald's. Um, but anyway, we went in there and I'm like, first of all, there was a line. Um, actually, we, we went to one McDonald's and I'm kind of like a little bit impatient and I was going to go through the drive through. I'm like, oh my God, it's like drive through is like 20 cars. So I went across town on the way to uh, the battlefield that we were going to. And I stopped at another one. And sure enough, line like wrapped around the restaurant. I'm like, you know, what? I'm just going to go in. So we parked, we get out of the car, we go in. And as we're standing there, um, I noticed I look over at this sign and I was like, damn. I mean, it, it was basically an advertisement for bring for employees to come and work there and it was a it was a great package i mean it was talking about competitive compensation money toward tuition um free meals free i mean it was just like this litany of uh uh things that were just benefits and i i but you know everywhere i go i try to learn something from everybody everywhere i don't say like because it's a fast food place or it's this or that that i i don't you know turn my nose up to it. But I said to myself, I was like, you know, I got to do that. I got to do that. Like uh, th that should be over at roots and we should talk about all the things that we're going to do. So what I, I think we're pointing out things that are issues, but how does a restaurant or how does like, what are the things like Rachel, if you just had your food truck, like what could be some things that you launch this food truck and you're trying to get like one person or two people to come and help you work. Um, what are some things that some of us can maybe do that don't have this, you know, juggernaut of a corporation behind us to attract people? I mean, obviously you said culture, but are there some other, some other things, some creative ideas that might be a, a perk for somebody? I think family meal in a restaurant setting is a huge thing, is a huge offering, and that always made, when I worked in the restaurants, that was always something that I really appreciated out of an employer was having that family meal. It made you feel like your employer cared about you. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just loved, I miss family meal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just work by myself now. So nobody cooks for me. Well, and you mentioned family meal, but, and, and, you know, I'm just throwing stuff at the wall here. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, you mentioned family meal and I almost kind of wonder like, are there things maybe where there's overproduction at a restaurant that somebody might be able to have some leftover product and give that to their, the family to take home? Um, yeah. You know, like I, maybe, I just, maybe there's, you know, something in the walk-in or the refrigerator that's got to go, but it's still technically edible. It's just not sellable. Right. You know, I would I would give that to my employees or if I was, you know, if my employer was offering it to me and I was willing and able, I would take it home and cook it. Well, I mean, because it's easy to say uh, all, you know, people should be able, you know, a restaurant. Um, I was reading like some social media post the other day and some lady was like saying how, um, oh, if restaurant if this restaurant can't pay competitive wages, then they should you should just close. You shouldn't even be in business. But I think a lot of people are really kind of getting to the point now where they're getting fatigued of, you know, working in restaurants and in 
you know, positions that maybe aren't, um, at, you know, great compensation and, you know, it's long hours, you're doing this during the holidays. So I think it's going to be really up to restaurants to be really kind of creative. And I know we're kind of picking on restaurants, but this goes for like anybody that's out there right now competing in the marketplace, even if you're trying to staff your, your club or your hotel or, you know, your little catering operation. I think it's, it's anything that, that the employer is going to make the employee feel that they're going the extra mile for them. Uh, one of the restaurant groups that I used to work in, we called it plus ones. And it was just little tiny things that, you know, made it, uh, it was little tiny things that like we, we got awarded for because we went as an employee, we went above and beyond. So there was like this plus one award and you would get, you know, they offered, I think a thousand dollars or something for whoever went the most above and beyond, but it was not even about going above and beyond. It was just making the, the customer feel special by the employee and then the employee being made feel special by the employer. Right. Does that make sense? Well, um, I mean, even, uh, you mentioned, uh, even just like with a, uh, employee bonus or something like that, like a signing bonus or something yeah. like that for people. I just think that, uh, what, you know, even like maybe a, a work environment that maybe, maybe you can't have, um, uh, I mean, I was thinking about this myself. I was like, well, I may not have the resources to give like a pay every kid's tuition that kind of comes and works at the operation. But one of the things that I can give is my time mm -hmm. and, you know, even create So we kind of started setting up like a apprenticeship rotation training um, program. And, you know, it's just, I really think people are going to have to kind of look in and figure out like, what, what can you do that's going to be, uh, what you can offer. And yeah. that may be enough to attract people, but you know, you're not gonna be able to compete with paying. I mean, I was talking to somebody, a friend of mine the other day, and he said that somebody was coming uh, in for an interview and it was like for $25 an hour. And it was like for two hours of, of work. And he's like, Oh man, that's like 50 bucks for two hours. That, that, that's just uh, not, not attractive. But I mean, that's like the mentality of like what you're kind of seeing out there right yeah. now. You know? I think what you said too, Chef, is really important about even if you can't offer, you know, a signing bonus or you can't offer you, it's a bank establishment and you don't do family meal. Like, you know, if you can offer somebody your time, I personally, and I think obviously everybody's different, but for me, I, I would rather have your time than a bonus right. at the end of the year. Because for me, what I'm looking for is somebody who's going to invest in me intellectually, somebody who's going to drive me, to motivate me, to push me to be better and, you know, see opportunity for growth for me. One, one thing I, I would want to ask, though, is do you, like – how is this going to impact like your local restaurant? I mean, yeah. I mean, are we willing to pay? Are we, and I kind of, you know, in one of the other episodes, last episode, I kind of brought up the cost of brisket. It's now up to four fifty right now a pound. And I'm not even going to get into beef tenderloin, all the ground beef, all the other things, but 
like how how's your local Italian restaurant like what what do you what would you do like what do they what do you think they can do right now it's a really tough tough situation for everybody because you have on one hand the people who don't want to come back to work because they're still riding on that unemployment you have the you're the owner of this small business restaurant and you can't afford to give more money away you know you're doing everything you can i i think you just got to hang in there and you just got to push well and um you know one of the other things that are another thing that's kind of on the horizon is the change with the 15 dollar minimum wage that is that uh, what minimum wage is right now that what well, that will be that will be it, it'll be kind of getting rolled out in um in various stages but that really would compromise the whole tip model and i think you know we are going to be kind of at this tipping point you know pardon the the pun there but <laughs> we're going to be at a tipping point where you're going to have to ask yourself like are you willing to pay what it actually costs to operate um your local family restaurant or your local small business owner because this is really you know it, it is definitely like i said it's kind of at this kind of crossroads where you know it's not really sustainable um i mean restaurants already are making like pennies on a dollar i mean you have some models out there that have outstanding location very transient they're you know a lot of tourism they do well uh but that's not you know people don't get into the restaurant industry that most people they get into it for the wrong reasons and they find out that maybe it might not be as profitable as what, you know, on the surface, what they may have thought. And, um, you know, with labor costs and all of these other costs going up, it really kind of makes you kind of makes you kind of wonder, you know, what, it, what's the answer. Um, but I do think still a big question is I still want to kind of get back to that question of like, how, like, what is it that you like, why should somebody work for you? Because there's so many other options out there. I mean, you're now competing with like YouTube and uh, you're competing with, um, I can go be an Uber driver. Uber, yeah, that's another big one. It's, that's one of the issues that most of the, like these kind of like sustainable companies that they, they came out of nowhere from a cloud. Uh, they, are, they are making every, every industry a little bit more and more difficult just for that reason. Uh, you log in into Uber and it's already telling you that you can make $30 an hour or something like that because they don't have Uber pool anymore because of a COVID situation. Uh, and that's going to be like that for the rest of the year, probably. And next year, probably, they're going to try to bring back uh, Uber pool. That, that's what's going to drop the, the wages again. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's super difficult. And, and I think it's going to be a combination of, uh, of different either benefit and good salary I mean, I think that most of the companies gonna they're gonna try to clean up their uh, payroll and say, I prefer to pay a little bit more to these guys that they really work, they really like what they're doing, and they're worth it. And they're gonna. I think that that's gonna be kind of like the breaking point where uh, most of the companies, instead of having ten people, you're gonna be able to have three or four. Because before you used to have ten people and six of them, they were lazy. They were one of those guys that they work per hour, so they move like, like they're, you know what I mean. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because 
the reality is if you really step back and you look at like what COVID has shown us is that if you have a restaurant that has 25 employees, just say it's, you know, small restaurant, medium sized restaurant, 25 employees. And if you find that the dining room has closed, that is actually a, a lot of people found that that was actually a more efficient model that you can now operate with maybe eight people and you can pay them larger compensation because you have higher margin of profit profit because the reality is the models themselves are very labor intensive unless you can find a way to still get all that work done and i mean think about it you know maintaining a dining room um, and service and all those elements of service so i think that the experience really is at risk for being diluted um, because again, we're just at that point where people are gonna say, hey, look, I'm not really willing to pay what it costs for you to put that on um, the plate. Um, one other thing I wanted to uh, bring up to you both, um, there's been a lot of talk right now about inflation, I'm sure. Have, do you, I mean, have you guys all, do you feel like you've seen um, aspects of that just day to day, like with prices kind of going up with things or? Is it just kind of more more isolated? I mean, you, you mentioned about the, the the beef, and I was just yesterday in um, BJ and Costco, and I was like looking at the beef. I was like, thanks God, I have a couple of pieces frozen. I mean, I try not to eat too much beef now, but it's like the prices are just insane. It's like it's it's becoming a luxury to to eat some pieces of uh some cuts of uh, meat. Uh, no matter what it is. I mean, even the chicken is, is more expensive than usual. Rachel, have you seen, um, have you also seen um, some prices with different things going up? Um, oh, yeah, uh, especially proteins. Proteins, huge jump in prices. Um, produce, not so much because I shop at a local farmer's market. Um, so not so much there, but definitely the proteins have jumped for sure. But, you know, the reality is even for, you know, you talk about like um, going to a farmer's market uh, and one of the ways that prices also go up is you may say, well, Hey, I've figured out how to accommodate this model and still be able to keep my business open. But uh, let's just say that some of your vendors, your partners, the people that you work with aren't able to figure that out. And what they have to do is they have to raise the prices for you. So maybe that milk that you were buying before you say, hey, what the hell? This has gone up by like 50 percent. And they may say, hey, Rich, look, we don't have drivers or we're having to charge this for that. And, you know, they're, the supply chain, I think, is like definitely more um, delicate than what everybody thinks. But the reason I got into inflation is I want to pose a uh, concept that might be kind of like counterintuitive to what people think is going to happen. I think that we're at a point um, in like uh, history where we right now are dealing with inflation going up, but there's also the concept of deflation where you actually have some you, where you have um, a power that is actually working against uh, the inflation where it's actually hard to keep the prices up. And I want to give an example of that. 
let's just say that you um, used to charge people to clean um, um, somebody's uh, uh, deal, like businesses, like car dealerships and warehouses, and used to send a team in there to sweep and mop. Well, is that, and, and here's what it costs. I, I pay all my staff and everybody comes in and we get a team of four. They come in there, they clean the gym, the, the, the dental office, all these things. Well, um, introduce a robot into the conversation and somebody comes in and says, hey, uh, Mike, you got a beautiful car, car dealership here. And I know, you know, prices, everything's getting so expensive. Uh, what if we were to offer to you to be able to clean your car dealership and we can do that, you know, more frequently and we get all I need, I send my robot in there and they clean it up. And then what happens is you end up finding out that you're struggling to compete to keep the prices up because the services, I mean, another example is there's a lot of places out there. I think Domino's, I don't know if you guys have seen the commercial with Domino's that is talking about uh, having um, driverless delivery. Well, that change, they can change the fee for what it costs to drop a pizza off now. So we're at a, I think we're at a time right now where I really don't, I, it's really hard to predict like what's around the corner mm -hmm. um, because you can make the argument for both scenarios. And the worst thing I think anybody, any operator out there right now could be doing is just standing still and not really thinking about what their options are um, and, 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 and kind of having a playbook. I mean, I can tell you during COVID, um, I sat down and got in front of PowerPoint and I wrote these scenarios of what the, um, what the uh, um, action plan would be if this happens or if this happens or if this happens. And it's almost like having a little deviation strategy. Um, but what do you guys think about like with um, robots, which we actually even had a guest before on the show that they had the first uh, fully automated robotic kitchen, uh, which was, that was a great um, episode with uh, Spice. I think we're going to see a lot of advancements in kitchens in technology. I think cleaning is going to be a huge one. Like you said, you brought up Spice and uh, Danny Serling's, his refrigerators. Yeah. I, there's just so much advancement I see coming down the line for restaurants and as much as it breaks my heart to say, I think that a lot of smaller restaurants are going to go away. I don't think that people are wanting to go out as much because it's convenient to just get something delivered at home or it's convenient to just go pick something up from a vending machine or prepackage something. Um, so I do think that with the prices, the price changing and the minimum wage changing and just everything that's going on, I think that the, like you said, the model is going to have to shift and people are going to really have to look at their, their model and what, how they're operating and how they can pivot. And I, I think that technology is going to play a huge role in all this. Chris, would you eat a hamburger from a robot? <laughs> oh, from a robot? Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I, I mean, most of the people that know me, uh, they know that I, I love technology. 
I, I wouldn't mind to try one or two or three different things. What I wouldn't do is order a burger with delivery because I know how, how it's going to come. The bread is going to come all soggy and everything. There's a couple of things that I wouldn't I just, but I, I think that at the same time, it's really important what you just said that everything uh, is shifting. Every, I think that the pandemic out of like, despite all the, uh, the death and, and everything that has suffered out of the pandemic because of the people, uh, it was just something that talking about the entire world is something that it should have happened before. Just for the fact that what you said, it, it accelerated everything. Mm -hmm. So everything that we're seeing today, it was just, it was just coming slowly. And it just, in one year, it just came out of like nowhere, like, but everything super fast. It was something that was going to happen anyways, but it probably wasn't going to happen today. It was going to happen in 10 more years. So yeah. it just, I think that every, for example, I don't know, becoming a trend for healthy and for all of those different, what you said about Danny, his, uh, his bridges and everything that he's doing, uh, Spice probably is, is crashing it. Uh, we know a couple of companies that we work with, uh, they have been crashing it because of the pandemic. Because people right now, they're paying for time. They're not paying, like like Rachel just said. I mean, it's, it's just so much convenient to order something and go and pick it right. up or to deliver it to your door. Even you, you order from, from any supermarket and you have everything delivered to your door. So you can spend a little bit more time with your kids. Even if it's a nightmare sometimes, I mean, for some people, but... Um, no, I think it's, it's just great. What you said also about the, the robots, it's not just that. I mean, if you take a, I was, a, I mean, I'm a big fan of Tesla. Uh, everyone knows that by now. Um, so if you take a look at Tesla, they, I think that they already accomplished the numbers of, uh, of sales for the second quarter uh, of the year. And it was just because everything that uh, the gas going up, the prices going up, it triggered everyone. I mean, it, there was so much people buying cars from Tesla. The prices increased about like three to five thousand for the cheapest model, um, but it's, it's it's for a reason. It's not just because it is it was going to happen. Uh, I mean, there's so much about the robots and about like being more efficient and uh, and becoming eco-friendly for so many companies. And what you just said about the robots is about that. It's about being. Uh, more efficient is about being more productive and and having and being able to manage a better company at the end of the day okay but this poses a question would you sacrifice your standards 100%. for convenience as a show you would it, i mean it depends how you how you look at it because so at the end of the day what is what is your standard and what is convenient? You can you can literally take those two concepts and put it in one, and you can make it work. It's just like what you do today. Whenever you go to the supermarket, you can you can go to Publix and you're gonna buy tomatoes. Let's say I don't know two dollars. You can go to Walmart. They're gonna be one fifty. Same tomato. It's just that you need to look for it. Well, the, what I was asking, I guess, is more on the lines of so you work in somebody's home and you're trying to you work in a bunch of people's home you order amazon prime whole foods now because it's free somebody else is doing your shopping for you you can be working on stuff at home while somebody's doing your shopping but you're That's not there 
to pick out your lemons or you're not there to pick out your chicken breast. You know what I mean? So you are risking sacrificing the quality of the ingredients, having somebody else shop for you as a chef. And this, I guess, maybe just relates to people who cook, but how do you, I think it's a great, great example. You know, not just that, not just that. I mean, but here you have two. I always look like as an opportunity. So here you have two biggest points that you just mentioned that, and it's not just that. Sometimes you get something that you didn't even order, right? Uh, in your bag. And I, was, I was, yeah, I actually ordered an heirloom tomato the other day with some other <laughs> items, and I got just like a hard green tomato. I was like, all right, I'm making some salsa verde. Yeah. Yeah. Change yeah. the whole recipe, but no, avocados always come as like rocks. Yeah, okay, yeah right there that's you have another great like, example. You have huge opportunities. There's so many apps that they come every time they come to life, and every time that people are in need of something. So there you have another one. What about if like some? The, the problem is that most of the people they're not going to be willing to sacrifice what they're doing to do something better. Because what about if you create an app and it's about that? It's about I don't know, gourmet shopping or something like that, where you're going to have people that they're going to be able to go, that you're going to have to train, but it's a whole new process. So mm-hmm. that's how Uber came up because taxi drivers, they were not offering good services. And that's how Uber came up. And well, you know, I think came. to talk to what Rachel was saying, I, I also think, I mean, I, I think we've been exposed in the whole circle of the more more traditional chefs, uh, some of us like myself, uh, more more than even both of you, just with working with a lot of the classically trained chefs, and we. But you you're familiar as well with that kind of romantic picture of going out to the small uh, farms every morning, or going to the, to the uh, town square and picking out you know the rutabagas and parsley and all the vegetables hand hand picking that. And there's without question, there's an element of that that gets lost uh, in today's the new technology with all this stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, I and I order if I don't have an Amazon package or Instacart on my porch right now, then something's something I'm not here. You know, I mean, it's like every day. I mean, I'm ordering stuff all the time, but it's the convenience. Um, And I I think that a lot of people, um, customers today it's like it has to be just it has to be good enough. And I think it's got to but, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us, we kind of grew up with um, these like really exceptionally high standards of uh, cuisine. And but it's hard to tell the customer what to eat. It's easier to cook what the customer wants. And you can tell people all day long that this new crudo dish that is has this incredible Uh, tuna and it's really expensive olive oil and all these great ingredients. But at the end of the day, if if they're not willing to pay the price of what it is and you're not profitable, then you're upside down and you're not going to be in business very long. So it's almost like you got to figure out a way to, you got to find value in addition to a craveable product to bring to the customer because you're competing uh, against a lot of other dynamic, um, um, uh, factors and some of it's you know technology and convenience and you know people are okay with that now it's like hey you know what it's good enough yeah um yeah it's fascinating i think good enough is 
probably the most heartbreaking thing that I've seen as in a, in the private chef world for me, you know, people, everything is just, it's good enough. It's fine. Even the, uh, even the restaurant, you know, it's like nothing can compare with going to that small, like local Italian restaurant that has been there for many years. And people could be like, well, Hey, um, it, it's it's like I'm I'm not willing to pay that threshold that it's going to require to keep maybe this place in business or that place in business because it's too expensive. So you either got to figure out how to pay better compensation, or uh, I'm probably going to go here. It's not as good as your meatballs and your tomato sauce, but this is good enough. Uh, and it's almost and that's what I'm saying. You're competing against that that convenience and 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 uh, all these other factors today. Um, I, I think yeah. too the convenience aspect of it, like just circling back to Whole Foods delivery or any grocery store delivery, it also touches on what we talked about last week in sustainability, because they are wrapping the green peppers in one plastic bag, the red peppers in one plastic bag, the yellow peppers in another plastic bag, all inside yeah. a big plastic bag. You know, it's so it add, everything is adding and that's crushing our environment. Right. Convenience is also, you know. Well, it's actually, um, it's kind of good timing because I was actually going to mention, even from our last episode we did about sustainability, um, for one of the things that I kind of think of is like another way to attract people to kind of come and want to work for you is the the why. It's not just, hey, how much you make how much you're, hey, here's some benefits, but also the why behind why I'm coming to work with you, that there's a bigger, uh, maybe it is a noble cause, maybe it is a uh, inspiring reason, maybe it is a innovate, innovative component, uh, maybe there is a prestige attached with working with a big brand like Google or what have you, but for whatever those reasons may be, um, uh, I always think about, you know, in the last, especially in the last couple of months, I've really been thinking about like, what are the things that we are doing that can be something that can be on that poster that can maybe capture the eye of like a young aspiring cook that may say, Hey, you know what? <laughs> I like McDonald's and boy, it'd be great for somebody to pay for my tuition and all these things. But I really like what's on this poster over here better. And I think everybody, whatever, whatever you do, you got to figure out like, what are the things in your company or, and maybe you are your company. Maybe you're just one person. You got a little cupcake concept, but whatever it is, you got to think about what is the why, like, why would somebody want to come and work for you? Like, what is it that's going to be, that's going to be compelling enough because we're not all going to be able to offer, um, you know, $25, $30 an hour, what, whatever, it's, it's just going to be out of reach for a lot of people because of their models. So I think there's got to be something that you got to kind of look for. Um, you know, we're doing the water bottles um, because, and I also been talking about uh, bags. I mean, you mentioned those when you went shopping, uh, Rachel, about these bags. And I went and I looked them up online and I'm like, hey, this could be a cool thing that we can have on our store that we can be selling. I want to get um, water bottles to be able to give to all of our instructors and these are like little things that somebody says, Hey, why do you have, why do you have these items? It's like, no, it's not like to sell them. It's to actually use them. We're, we brisket soap right now. Our, 
all natural beef tallow soap that we are working on the final uh, details of the packaging with that. We've taken all this beef fat that we've been throwing away and we're now turning it into an all natural beef tallow soap. I mean, so I think the why uh, is an important part and sustainability, which is one of the episodes that we've done is, is another one. Um, yeah, really, really huge. I mean, that's, for me, it's a big factor into whether I want to work for somebody or not. I mean, I think that the, like the idea you were talking about is water bottles or grocery bags. I know a friend who's going up to, she's a chef and she goes up to Nantucket in the summer and she's got a little team, you know, up in Nantucket and she, we made hand tie dyed grocery bags for her team. So it was something that, and then at the end of the summer, they get to keep them. So they get their own grocery bags. So it just says like, Hey, I, as your employer, like I give a shit about the environment. Right. I, I give a shit about the future of you and your family or the future of the world. And uh, I just thought that was really cool that 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 would be something that, you know, would get my attention. Well, your actions and uh, what you do really defines who you are more than um, what you say. And I think that yeah. to actually do that. Um, is, is more powerful <clears throat> and somebody that actually is working at a place that, you know, that they <clears throat> embrace those principles, I think is really important. Um, I know we're getting kind of close to the end. I don't know if, did you guys have any more um, yeah. ideas to add to this? I just wanted to uh, mention what you were just saying about uh, like having a, having a why in the companies. Uh, it's, it's so important because it's, it's kind of like, is, is what you believe and, and, and if people like really, I mean, I'm a big fan of uh, Simon Sinek and everyone knows that too. Um, it's like th there's very few organizations out there that they know what they do and why they do it. And I think that that's one, one of the most important people, how to inspire people. And uh, if, if, if we're talking about like how to build your dream job and stuff like that, um, I think that the why, how and what, those are the most important things as people before used to call them mission, vision, and uh, uh, objective uh, goals. Um, but why is a purpose? And most of the people, when they're looking for something, the first question that they come in an interview is like, how much money I'm going to make? I mean, money is a result. Money is going to come for, with time. Uh, and it's something that most of the people and the young people that they're looking for job, they should be looking for what they believe. And if they can match it with a company, that's going to be much better because that's the, the kind of like the very reason uh, that why the organization exists, why the company exists. And I think that those are really important points for uh, people that are looking for jobs and they, they don't know. I mean, I know so many pastry chefs that they are kind of like, I don't even know if I want to do pastry anymore. And that's one of the biggest reasons because probably the, the why of the company that you're working for is not the same as you have. And you need to look for something that is matching your belief and and if, uh, like, if you have people that they're going to, you have leaders instead of boss, uh, they're going to be looking out for you. If the company is going down, they're, they're going to stay with you until everyone goes down. They're not going to leave you alone. And those are, I think that is how people should be looking for jobs and not, not just thinking about the money. Money is going to come. Money is a result. But the why is one of the most important thing when you look for a job. Yeah. 
And I think that's why people get burned out sometimes is if they don't have, if they're, if, if you're just doing something just because of, you know, the, the money only, I, I don't think it's sustainable. Um, all right. Well, um, I, I just uh, wanted to kind of c- close with um, to let everybody out there know that if anybody has any ideas of uh, topics you want us to, uh, to talk about, or if there are guests uh, on the show, experts that we can bring on the show with particular subject matter, we are all over social media. Uh, always feel free to uh, contribute. Uh, one of the things as we were kind of talking about this made me think about maybe a potential future episode is maybe like the future of uh, the resume and uh, your, your um, what does it look like in the future of a job search? Uh, not what it did 10 years ago, but what can you do to differentiate yourself and separate yourself um, and really stand out and really kind of build a path for checking all the boxes in your career that are important to you. Um, so maybe that might be a, a fun future episode is to talk about the, uh, the future of the, uh, of the resume uh, in the job hunt ahead. Um, also, real quick, want to say thank you to our sponsors. This year, uh, we have Dry Ager. They've been really uh, terrific. Uh, just amazing, incredibly well-crafted dry aging cabinets from Germany. Uh, and uh, one of the other future topics we want to talk about is there are some people out there that are actually dry aging fish and dry agers are great for doing that. I know we have some charcuterie in there right now. We've got like Brashola and uh, Berkshire hams um, and uh, all kinds of fun stuff. And of course, uh, lots of wonderful steaks, which we will have available for uh, Father's Day. So we're excited about about that. So thanks to Dry Ager, incredible supporters. Also, Verlasso Salmon, they've been really terrific. Um, we've talked about them on the uh, on the sustainability podcast as well. Uh, Verlasso is out of Chile. They have really just outstanding texture and really are uh, farm raising salmon in a uh, very eco-friendly and sustainable way. Uh, and that they're really some of the innovators in this space. And of course we also love their product. I eat lots of Verlasso salmon um, and a big fan of that. I know uh, you had some recently, Rachel as well. I thought I saw some really oh, yeah. beautiful I've dishes. Been, I'm, on, I'm on the salmon, I'm on the salmon sashimi diet right now. It is great for that. I mean, it oh, has my unreal texture. I, buttery, oh my gosh. It's beautiful. And the color too, I thought really uh, yeah. it, it pops and especially whenever you do a little like kind of crudo cure style of it. So check that out if you guys haven't seen uh, Verlasso. And then also uh, Art Flame. Um, Art Flame Grills, uh, we've been working with them for several years. Just probably I'd say like one of the coolest ways to cook outside. Beautiful griddle with a ring um, in the center that you ignite and build your fire. So you kind of get the benefit of the smokiness along with this hot uh, ultra sear on the outside. I know recently they just did this great campaign um, with um, uh, Sterling Caviar and everybody from Team Art Art Flame, who I'm part of as well. We're putting up really cool ideas using uh, Sterling Caviar, uh, who's another brand that we love and we work with. And uh, Chris, anybody that I've uh, forgotten, overlooked? Not not really. Not not yet. I mean... There's gonna be a couple more coming up soon. But <laughs> yes. uh, I mean, Berlasso, Dry Ager, 
just uh, we're coming for you, uh, Germany. Uh, <laughs> yes, everybody, yeah, I mean, I, I, everybody, stay tuned. Yeah, it's gonna be really nice for the for the second half of this year. And uh, also, too, this is a good opportunity for us to be able to give a, a send off to uh, Rachel. She's getting ready to head over to Italy. And uh, maybe before Rachel, why don't you tell us about that? If you, uh, if you I know I put you on the spot, but uh, um, yeah, where are you uh, going over there? Any chance I get to talk about it, I will, of course. Um, so for our listeners who uh, follow the podcast, uh, I go over to the Italian Culinary Institute every year, and it is located in southern Italy in Calabria, which is about an hour from Sicily. The most beautiful place on earth I've ever seen. Um, maybe I'm biased because I was a student there and spent some time there, but now I go back once a year as a guest. Um, and one of our guests that we had on the podcast, Dr. Bill Schindler, will be over oh, yeah. there. This is a uh, 25th year anniversary reunion for alumni, instructors, anybody who's been a part of the Italian Culinary Institute ever is, you know, has been invited over to celebrate their successes. And uh, I head off on June 8th. I don't know when this episode is going to drop, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. This is my first time that I'm crossing the borders again since the pandemic. We'll take lots of uh, pictures. You have to give us a full report uh, when, when you get back. And plus, you know, you are actually the first of us that will be traveling outside the borders um, in a kind of post-COVID uh, era. So really kind of curious. It's so weird. It is a little bit weird. I'm sure you're going to have to, you know, take extra precautions and, and all oh, that yeah. crazy stuff traveling internationally. And tell uh, Dr. Bill and everyone over there that we said hello Absolutely. And uh, uh, and we, they can follow you also on your Instagram account. I'm sure you'd be posting some pictures on there yeah, as well. Yeah, at Rachel double underscore Barnett. Follow me, follow my pictures. Yeah. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. And we will see you again on the next episode.